yeah, praise the Lord, bring, uh, bring greetings from Ballarat. Um, or I think as the, um, the YouTube, um, the YouTube uh, closed captions engine has, has now dubbed us the Battle Rats, was apparently uh, uh, what we were dubbed the other night. So uh, we're going to have T-shirts made. If anyone would like to buy some Battle Rats merchandise, we might try and sell it down here later. Um, I'm... Uh, I'm really sorted out a, a title for this talk. You can make up your own title. Um, uh, maybe we might have thought of something by the end of it. But uh, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 55. <clears throat> Many of you have probably read in... Um, in Revelation, when uh, when John says that he was caught up to the third heaven, and uh, and we have this uh, we have this understanding about uh, perhaps the under the uh, you know the, what John was getting at. Um, they they sort of had this thinking back then that, that, that there was three heavens, or, or that there was uh, three things that they used to refer to by the name of heaven or the heavens, um, and uh, it started off at ground level. And uh, basically it was anything that the birds could fly in or that there was clouds in or that the rain fell in. That was the first heaven. That was uh, the things that were, you know, you talk about eagles flying in the heavens and the Bible actually talks about the birds in the heavens and so on. Um, and then the second heaven was, you know, sort of everything beyond that, what we would call sort of outer space, you know. Um, and uh, so all of the, the, the sun and the moon and the stars and all of that sort of stuff, um, Things that uh, things that you can see at night mostly, um, they were in the second heaven, and then the third heaven, or the heaven of heavens, as the Old Testament quite often calls it. The third heaven was what was uh, the the dwelling place of God, if you like, and uh, and we don't really understand the third heaven very well at all. Actually, it's kind of uh, something which the Bible leads us to believe exists sort of on a spiritual plane. We're used to thinking of things entirely on a natural plane. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, there's this, uh, there's this place where God lives and, uh, and it's called the third heaven. And uh, um, just before everyone nods off while I'm talking about the heavens, there is actually a point to this. We're going to read a point here in uh, Isaiah 55 and verse 8. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And uh, I guess this uh, this talk is motivated in some part by uh, the fact that perhaps, uh, as many of you are aware, we. Um, in Victoria, we had some fairly extended lockdowns, and uh, we were probably a bit more fortunate in Ballarat than they were in Melbourne. Melbourne, Melbourne uh, probably had a whole lot more than us, um, but uh, but we were we were limited for quite some time in how much time we could actually spend together face to face, and and for some time, for weeks on end, we weren't able to see each other face to face, and for months on end, we weren't allowed to visit each other in our homes or anything like that. So um, we we kind of had this time where um, sorry, mask fluff. I don't think stubble and mask goes together very well. Um, 
I nearly said all the people said, but I wouldn't want to. I don't think everyone can agree to that. Um, well, I hope they can't. There's, uh, there's probably the majority of you who, uh, who shouldn't be able to agree to that. Anyway, um, uh, the, uh, we, we, had a uh, we had a time where we couldn't, we couldn't get together very often. And, and what happened um, was that uh, whenever you did sort of catch up with workmates or anything, and even, even sometimes in the fellowship, um, there'd been a, a lot of time for thoughts and theories and opinions to be developed. Um, and, and perhaps perhaps in isolation, you know, perhaps uh, in isolation, in, in, in all senses of that word, but, uh, but perhaps, you know, perhaps uh, people had a lot more time to sit around looking at their phones and, uh, and checking out what the latest theory was or what the latest uh, opinion was about things. And, uh, and before you know it, some of those thoughts and opinions and theories, they became, they became personal. You know, and they were things that people had grabbed hold of, and 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 they were part of how they, who they are, you know, and who who they uh, who they ha who they sort of valued themselves as, uh, had kind of become all twisted up in these thoughts and theories and opinions, and it became, you know, a lot of these situations become very emotive, and uh, and they sort of strike at the heart of a person when you threaten that thought or theory or opinion, and. Uh, um, I guess uh, we, we sort of uh, saw a fair bit of that, particularly in, in Victoria, and, and maybe I, I noticed more of it than, than others did, but um, I actually read an article about three or four years ago, I reckon, which stuck with me and kind of illuminated what was going on a little bit, um, and it was to do with um, the science of outrage, it was called, and uh, and um, as we know, social media these days, you know, we hear a lot about it. Praise the Lord, Pastor, Pastor Scott gave a great talk the other night about our presence on the internet and, uh, and our contact with the internet and so on and so forth. But as we know, a lot of these platforms and especially things like Twitter and, and Facebook and, and TikTok and places like that, they're run by an algorithm and the algorithm is designed to keep you engaged. That's the key word, keep you engaged. And that means keep your eyeballs locked on the screen. That's what, it, that's what the game is all about. And the longer these platforms can keep your eyeballs locked on the screen or engaged, then the more advertising they can sell. And, uh, and the algorithm is really smart, really clever and incredibly dumb, right? Because the algorithm just looks for things that keep people engaged. And you know what the algorithms have discovered? Outrage. Outrage keeps people engaged because usually there's two sides to a fight and then you've got both, both sides of the fight who are desperately engaged and they want to make their thought, thoughts known and they want to refute the thoughts of the others and they want to, you know, and backwards and forwards it goes and outrage keeps people engaged. And, and so what the algorithm has worked out is outrage is good. Let's keep people outraged. Let's keep people, let's keep people tied up in emotional things. Let's keep people invested in something. Let's keep people engaged. And so, unfortunately, you know, perhaps those of us who, uh, I don't use much social media, social media, but those of us who do, unfortunately, you've become the unwilling rats in, in the experiment. And, uh, and the experiment is all about how to keep human beings locked onto a device. And, uh, and the experiment has revealed Outrage works. 
It used to be, you know, it used to be perhaps something like covetousness. You know, everyone wanted the new car or the new couch or, or to look cool with their new leather jacket or something. That, that, used to, that used to sell and then that didn't work after a while and then, then it moved on to sex sells and raunch culture and all of that sort of thing. But then we moved past that, we got smart. We're not going to be sort of distracted by that sort of stuff anymore. And now it's outrage. And outrage is like, it's like jet fuel to, to these companies, you know. And, and it's no surprise that even we as saints can sometimes get, get tangled up in this outrage. We can read something or we can, uh, or we can, we can get invested in something which really tugs at our heart and it really means something to us. And it's something which if someone else tries to, tries to argue with about us, then, you know, come hell or high water, you're not going to change my mind. You know, and we, we can, even as saints, we can find ourselves in these situations and that clock is definitely wrong. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. Clock outrages me. I guess um, if there's something which, uh, which you've perhaps adopted in the last little while and, and maybe it's caused some arguments, maybe, maybe even among brothers or sisters it's caused some arguments and, uh, and I guess there's a couple of questions we can ask ourselves when we're, when we're sort of uh, hearing these opinions or maybe even taking these opinions on as our own, that clock is much better, thank you. Um, that's, uh, it's gone zeros for all of those who can't see it. Um, but uh, for those of us, for, for if you, perhaps you've, you've developed a thought or a theory or an opinion, um, there's some good questions to ask yourself about that thought or that theory or opinion. Where does it come from? Where has that thought or theory or opinion come from? Second question is, who does it benefit? Who benefits? from your particular viewpoint or, or and, and sometimes it's as simple as I like being smarter than everyone else. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a part of the human nature which sometimes, uh, sometimes can get its hooks in, is that we like to know something that no one else knows. And the third question, so where does it come from, who does it benefit and does it save souls? And we can use those tests to test the thoughts and theories and opinions that we come up against to sort out which are the important ones because, because some of them are unimportant and we need a test to be able to work out which ones are unimportant. We see here in Matthew chapter 22 and in verse 35, then one of them which was a lawyer asked him a question tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Now they probably would have gone through the Ten Commandments and they probably had a nice little argument for each one of them. And, uh, and they were ready, ready to spring the trap, you know. And, uh, and, and Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Now this is part of the Lord, no doubt about it, but you've got to dig a long way to find it. And, uh, and then and we see here, the, uh, and this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now we know that the law and the prophets was leading us to Christ. All of it was leading us to Christ. And here we see Jesus Christ himself says, here's a couple of things to consider. Love the Lord first. That's number one. 
And secondly, love thy neighbour. And thirdly, love thyself. And, uh, and we, we talk about these as the three loves. The love the Lord thy God, love thy neighbour and love thyself. And on, the, on these things hang everything. And if, if the thought or opinion or, 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 uh, or theory that we've, uh, we've grasped and got hold of is going to help us to do one of those things, then it might be heading in the right direction if we can answer those questions. Let's turn over to John chapter 7. Actually, you keep going to John chapter 8. I'll just read one verse out of John chapter 7 on the way through. Um, Jesus was talking to, uh, talking to some people and uh, he said in verse 24, judge not according to appearance, but this was chapter 7 by the way, you're in chapter 8, I'm in chapter 7, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Yes, we're called to have an opinion on things. Yes, we're called to make judgments, but the only judgments, judgments we should be making is the righteous ones, the ones that are guided by the Lord. You're in uh, John 8. Let's, turn, let's have a look at verse uh, 31 of John 8. Now, perhaps some of the things, are, a lot of the theories and a lot of the thoughts and opinions, perhaps one of the ones that stick out to us the most, they're quite often tied up in a couple of different concepts. And one of the big ones that comes out, perhaps especially for, uh, for, for our brothers and sisters in the States, is freedom. Freedom. It's all about personal freedoms. And it's all about my freedom. And it's all about how you can't trample on my freedom. And, uh, and, and it's all about, you know, uh, freedom enshrined in constitution and so on and so forth. And the other thing is truth. That's the other one that appeals to people when we're talking about a thought or a conspiracy. And maybe it's a truth that not everybody knows. You know, those are the ones that are the, that are the real fuel for uh, theories and opinions is a little bit of truth that only a few of us are privy to. You know, and, uh, and we, 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 we think about truth and freedom and these are the things which quite often get people's attention and cause people to really lock into a thought or an opinion. But you know what? Jesus had it first. He said here in, uh, um, in verse uh, 31, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, the real truth, the truth that we're all privy to, and the truth shall make you free. And then if we go on a little bit further in verse 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. True freedom. Truth and freedom all in one hit. And, uh, and we see that Jesus had the market cornered on truth and freedom way back then. And we don't have to worry about our freedoms. We don't have to worry about some hidden truth we don't have to worry about some theory which is going to explain to us some mystery which everyone else hasn't understood. We can ignore all of that stuff. We've got the truth and we've got the freedom. And out of those things, the Lord is able to bring people to know him eternally. And that's a truth worth knowing. That's a freedom worth finding. John chapter 18.
And we see here in uh, verse 36. Now, I don't have time to give you the full context. Uh, go home and read it for, uh, for homework. But we see here in verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. This is a golden point from Jesus Christ. He says, this ain't our circus. These ain't our monkeys. This isn't the fight that we need to get worried about. This is, uh, Jesus is saying, my fight is above this. As the heavens are higher than the earth is my fight above this. Don't get tangled up in all this low-level rubbish. Don't get tangled up in politics. Don't get tangled up in theories. Don't get tangled up in opinions. Even things along the lines, things which may seem on the surface to be righteous causes. Things like conservation of the planet and so, so on. By all means, turn your lights off when you're not at home. Do sensible things for sure. But the Lord has said that the world would be preserved unto destruction when he was ready for it to be destroyed. That tells me he's able to keep it ticking along. And we shouldn't be irresponsible, but nor should we be going out belting up police officers with protest signs either. That's not what the Lord wants us to do. And we see here that the Lord said, Jesus Christ himself. Now, Jesus Christ was about to undergo a whole heap of personal agony. And I'm sure that there was a, there was a, a, a natural part of him that might have thought, you know what, I wouldn't mind a way out of this. Maybe pull your swords out, boys. That, might, that thought might have crossed his mind. And in fact, we know it did because he, he prayed three times that this cup could depart from him. But every time he said, nevertheless, not my will but thine, when he was talking to his heavenly father. This isn't our fight. The, nat the, the natural stuff, the politics, the conspiracies, the, 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 the fear, it doesn't matter. Let's not get tangled up. We've got a much higher calling. We've been called to the Lord's thoughts and the Lord's ways and they're way above this earth. Let's concentrate on salvation. Let's concentrate on calling the lost sheep. And if perhaps you're a bit shaky yourself, let's concentrate on stirring up the spirit first. And being at camp's a fantastic start, but come to a prayer meeting as well. Start the day off with a good solid half hour of prayer and see how your day unfolds from there. It's going to be a belter, I can, I can guarantee you. Ephesians chapter 4, let's go there to finish off with. <coughs> Ephesians 4 verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. We can take, uh, we can take great direction from that. And like I said, we can apply those questions to the stuff that we're talking about. Where's it come from? Who does it benefit? And does it save souls? And if we can apply those questions to the communication that's coming out of our mouth, then we can be sure that we're not going to let any corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. But that which is good to the use of building up. That's what that word edifying means, building up. Not ripping down, not, uh, not belittling. Not, not somehow uh, causing arguments, not causing divisions, none of that. It's to the, to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. A lot of this stuff grieves the Holy Spirit and we know that. You know, we might be in a discussion where, where suddenly our heart's like, 
This isn't good. I don't like this discussion anymore. Get out of it. Turn it to the Lord. Get above all of this natural stuff. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. And if you want to find any of those things, go and have a look in a, in a, in a Twitter fight somewhere or something. And you'll find every single one of them happening all at once. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another. There's a secret. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. The world doesn't want us to be tender-hearted. The world's trying to harden us up. The world's trying to make us have an opinion. The world's trying to make us pick a side in a fight. The world doesn't want us to be tender-hearted, caring and compassionate for each other, let alone for them. But that's what we've been called to. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, because you know what? God forgave you. That's what it says. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The Lord's called us to his ways and his thoughts, and they're higher than the, than the earth, than the natural ways and the natural thoughts, as the heavens are higher than the, natural, than the natural earth. Let's not get caught up with the natural earthy stuff. Let's go with the Lord's thoughts and the Lord's ways and all people's earth.